Hello, friends, and welcome to a silver medal edition of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's me, Patrick, trolling you. Yeah, it's way too soon for that. Here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, it's raining, uh, but it is above freezing. Meanwhile, out west in beautiful Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, my second favorite province uh, behind Nova Scotia, of course, Justin the Professor Anderson. Hey, Justin, happy new year. Happy new year to you. Yeah, it's it's been a while. (laughs) 2020 is dead and buried and 2021 appears to be off to a precarious start. It's December 38th, 2020. (laughs) Yeah, we're still we're still living uh, the nightmare. We're yeah, we're still in the shit. But uh, you know what, folks, it's almost time for pitchers and catchers to report. So I'm excited. Tis the season. Before we get into all the nonsense that's been going on here in the world of baseball in the last three hours or whatever, um, let's talk about BFMD. You could check us out on all the usual platforms. We're on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. We are a funny follow. Justin is the brains behind the operation on the Twitter. It really everywhere, but anyway... Um, no, I don't want to give you too much credit. <laughs> Check us out on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube Play, whatever it is now. Tune in, Stitcher. Uh, there's probably a bunch of other weird services I can't think of. I heard there's we're big in Bulgaria, so shout out to Bulgaria. Shout outs. Yes, we love Bulgaria. Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode. Um, before we get started into the baseball stuff, it's the it's a new it's a new year technically, uh, you know, same shit. It's just a different pile. <laughs> um, but before we get into it, uh, there's something that I do want to chit chat about a little bit, and it, it is the silver medal, um, or, or the World Juniors. There were a lot of people saying that this was the best World Juniors uh, Canadian team ever assembled, or one of the best ever assembled, and uh, while they did fall short, Justin, did you watch much of the tournament? What were, what are your thoughts on this uh, iteration of uh, Canada's team? Yeah, I watched every Canada game um, to completion. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, no, I, I thought they were. I mean, I thought they were a good team. Um, it's tough to it's tough for me to grade them to years past because it's not like the World Championship team, the Olympic team, where we had a pretty yeah. consistent player base for a long time um you know what i mean it's it seems like the world juniors we get these big name prospects obviously losing kirby dock in the pre-tournament game was um a huge boot in the berries to begin with but yeah the fact that that devin levi's took the starting goalie job after not being invited to the hockey canada summer camp was pretty badass and that kid looks really good florida's got to love that they had two prospects go deep in the tournament and goal um I was really impressed by by Dylan Cousins and by um, uh, I can't remember the kid's name. Is it Dylan Perfetti? No, I can't Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti. Yeah, I was really impressed by him in the tournament as well. Yep. I thought those guys were great. And every every time that there's like a top D man prospect, I just assume they're a Colorado Avalanche prospect now. Um, <laughs> because I mean, we care. I mean, Ray Ferraro was talking about it like the whole time. I've actually been listening to uh, Spit and Chicklets a lot lately. Um, Great those podcast. guys are those guys are awesome. Yeah, great podcast. But they they interviewed. They had Ray Ferraro on. Uh, they interviewed him like right after the semifinal games. Um, 
like early in the morning on Tuesday. And uh, he was talking about how there's so many of these teams who have like nine or 10 prospects in this tournament. And considering that like, those are probably mostly like one through four round draft picks in this tournament. Like you don't, you wouldn't see too many fifth round picks unless you're looking at like Austria or something. But like, those are all like high tier picks. So like a lot of these teams, like this is like, they're like licking their chops watching this tournament. Um, But to answer your, your original question, I got a little bit sidetracked there. I don't know if this was one of the best Canadian teams ever. I mean, obviously the pedigree of having 19, first overall draft picks on the ice is pretty incredible. But when it comes to that, I mean, we, we know that just because you're a top draft pick doesn't mean you're going to have good chemistry. We saw some players play really well together, but I thought there was a lot of, a lot of players who just didn't seem to fit in, uh, especially when you got outside of like the top six forwards. It just felt like those guys were having a hard time gelling and obviously only playing one pre-tournament game and having all these lockdowns and not playing regular season CHL hockey before the tournament is a big a big hit to that. So it's hard to say. I think if you saw the same team on the ice a year from now, it'd be a completely different result. I think Canada would have easily uh, ran away with it. Yeah, a couple, couple things I want to say about it. Now I'm going to say something that's going to upset some people. Um, mm-hmm. First off, I want to say, in regards to Cole Perfetti, uh, this kid was absolutely dynamite last year in the Hlinka Gretzky Cup. He yeah. had 20 points in five games, and he was drafted by the Jets. He, I don't know how he fell to 10th overall, but he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think he's going to be a star. And what's, that's weird because the, the Jets already have a ton of stars. So I don't, I don't know. They're just loaded. Man, they're going to be good for a long time, the Jets. They just need to get a couple of breaks when it comes to figuring out their cap situation. And um, they got the goalie, they got the scoring. They just need some some defense. But uh, Cole Perfetti impresses me. This is my spicy take. Not only is this not one of the best Canadian teams ever assembled, I wouldn't even put it in the top ten. Hmm. And it's it's not just because they didn't win the gold. There just wasn't anything to. They just weren't doing. Yes, they only gave up like what three goals in the round robin or whatever. Yeah. But well, like four <laughs> goals or four or five goals overall, right? Yeah, like. And I mean, you look at the goals in the gold medal game—a tip-in and one that took a weird bounce off the boards, right? But there have been teams in this uh, tournament that had guys like Jerome Ginla, mm-hmm. you know, who is a Hall of Fame. Connor McDavid. Sidney Crosby, yeah. John Tavares, Jordan Eberle, <laughs> Jonathan like, Thames. I don't. I can't say whether or not this this particular team has players like a that. generational just, talent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know if they do or don't. I I do think they're they deserve tons of praise. They had a hell of a tournament. They just got beat by a team that knew how to play out. You know, outwork. Uh, all this skill and we've seen it we saw it a million times in the 90s we saw it a million times in the early 2000s before the cap where these teams that had uh, no disrespect intended lesser talent play their game roll their four lines and they're just out coached and this happens all the time with team canada it gets out coached at almost every tournament at least once and unfortunately for this one 
uh, it ended up being the gold medal game. And it's, it's unfortunate because these kids, the pressure on these kids is so high. People need to just back off on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Silver medal is nothing to, to sneeze at. Uh, it's a hell of an accomplishment. There's tons of great players. I just don't think this is one of the best Canadian teams we've ever seen. Just because look at the t- look at the the dearth of talent that we've seen in the past. Those yeah. teams in the '90s that won five in a row. I mean, whew, yeah. And to shout touch. out uh, to to our friends uh, Slewfoot Hockey Show. They're friends of the show. They always retweet our stuff and. They have put a great podcast out. I know they're pumped for NHL hockey to be back in in a week. That's just crazy. Next next Saturday, I think it kicks off. If, if I'm if I'm wrong. Yep. Hardcore so a, shout out to Slewfoot. Yeah. Yeah, those guys sure. are awesome. They 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 tweet at us on Twitter all the time. Always like and share the shows. So, thanks, boys. Looking forward to listening to the hockey shows this year. Um, but let's get into some baseball, hey Patrick. Let's do it, man. Here we go. Yeah, the big news finally. Coming out of Toronto, just kidding, out of New York, um, is that the Mets, the Steve Cohen New York Mets, went out and traded for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco from the Cleveland baseball team. Are we? St- I think they're using the Indians for this year, are they not still? Yeah, this is yeah. it. This is the they're last still the year. Indians. The, okay, the so they're still the song. Cleveland Indians. They're sending Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the Mets in exchange for big league infielder Ahmed Rosario, big league infielder Andres Jimenez, as well as a pair of rising prospects in Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. This is straight from MLB Pipeline, by the way. Uh, Lindor is 27, Patrick. He's going to join the Mets. He's played six seasons in Cleveland, four-time All-Star, three top 10 finishes in the MVP race, and has a pair of Silver Slugger and Gold Glove Awards. Um yeah, he, he batted 285 with a over 900 OPS with Cleveland uh, during his tenure at the club and actually accrued nearly 29 wins above replacement over six seasons, which is really, really impressive. Uh, Carrasco is 33. He has two years left on his $47 million uh, four-year contract, which includes a 2023 team option at the end of that, obviously. Uh he is 33, like I mentioned. He has compiled a 377 earned run average over 11 seasons with Cleveland, averaging nearly uh, or over a strikeout per inning, as well as less than two and a half walks per game. He has finished twice top 20 in the signing award, and he finished fourth in the race in 2017 after he led the major leagues with 18 wins. So those are the two big pieces going to the Mets. Obviously, Lindor is on one more year of team control arbitration before he hits free agency. The Mets will want to lock him up to a long-term deal to make this a success. But initial initial thoughts, Patrick, are you surprised that they got both Lindor and Carrasco? Yeah, I mean, the to me, the optics of this trade look really bad for Cleveland uh, and really good for the New York Mets. Yeah, I would agree. Lindor is one of my favorite players um, going all the way back to when he and Cleveland uh, trounced us in the ALCS a few years ago. Uh, They were the team that I wanted to see win it all. Uh, It ended up not happening, but uh, they're just a great team with good guys on the team. There wasn't really anybody. I don't earn. Well, Trevor Bauer might've been on that team, but other than that, um, I like Francisco Lindor. I like Carlos Carrasco. I like uh, Jose 
Jose, uh, shit, is it Martinez? Jose yeah. Martinez? Oof, I had a brain cramp there. Um, great, great team. It looks like the, the Cleveland, they're, they're shedding all this payroll and, I don't know. They're they're probably not going to do anything with it, but they're they claim that they're going to be competing, but yet they just, you know, got rid of two of their best players. And well, yeah. I don't know. Tell me about the return, because really, I don't I don't know any of these names except for Ahmed Rosario. And for sure, he doesn't really he doesn't strike me as somebody who uh, is you know going to a deal maker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Ahmed Rosario is a shortstop, 25 years old. He was the number five overall prospect in 2017, but he's kind of struggled to really find his own in the big leagues. Uh, he has a combined uh, 268, 302, 403 slash, so a 705 OPS uh, in more than 1,500 trips to the plate. Um, he did have a great 2019. He put up 2.4 wins above replacement there and had a 287 average. And about a four six or a seven sixty OPS, and also hit fifteen homers, which is a career high that year. Um, hasn't really lived up to the top five prospect hype, but I think for Cleveland, they're getting a pretty—I mean, an above-average replacement for uh, obviously a perennial MVP candidate in in uh, Lindor. Um, the other pieces that they're getting here, Andres Jimenez. I hope I'm saying that right. It's Jimenez with a a, a G is a shortstop from Venezuela. He is 22 years old. He was the number 83 overall prospect before he uh, got his lost his rookie status and playing in the 2020 season. Uh, the Mets had signed him out of Venezuela for $1.2 million in 2015, and he jumped from AA up to the big leagues this past season and did put up over one, one win above replacement and also finished seventh in the NL Rookie of the Year voting. Um, he also plays really good defense. He logged time at short, second, and third. And uh, he actually put up five outs above, replay, outs above average, which tied Lindor's total from last season. And it actually put him in the top 10 defensive infielders in the game. His sprint speed is ranked in the top 6% in MLB, so he's going to be a great base stealer. And he's a left-handed bat as well, which is big. A left-handed hitting shortstop with great defense and great speed. So that's a pretty good return. So even if uh, the, the Indians don't keep Ahmed Rosario long-term, they've got this Venezuelan kid who has limited baseball in, in the big leagues, but he's also very, very young. So that's cool. Um, two more prospects going back to the Mets. Josh Wolf, 20-year-old right-handed pitcher who was number nine for the Mets, is now number 12 in the Indians' top 30, according to Pipeline. Uh, he was drafted in the second round of 20, the 2019 draft and pitched in the rookie Gulf Coast League, which would be against the Danita, or the Blue Jays Gulf Coast League team. Uh, not too much information on this guy, obviously, because the 2020 minor league season was lost. But it seems that he throws a uh, mid-90s fastball, uh, has a plus fastball curveball pairing, and he's working on a changeup as well. And then the last guy is a outfield prospect, 19 years old, was the Mets' number 16 pick. Or is the Indians now number 16 prospect? Sorry, he was number 10 for the Mets in the midseason rankings. He was taking at the compens compensatory pick that the Mets received for Zach Wheeler signing with the Phillies last offseason. Uh, he is 6'1, 180 pounds, so he's got some room to grow into that body. He they said that he does show early makings of becoming an above average hitter from the right side of the plate. 
uh, with power that could surprise, and there's little doubt regarding his ability to make or to impact games with plus plus speed, whether it be on the bases or defensively in center field. Uh, according to um, the Mets, he was one of the more impressive hitters in the Mets fall instructional camp, batting over 400 with a 500 on base percentage. This guy's fresh at a high school competing against guys who've been in pro ball for a few years. He controls the strike zone, controls at bats. He's being really impressive as a quote from the Mets. So um, some good young prospects, a pitcher, an outfielder, and a couple short stops. It's compared to what the, say with the Blue Jays even got from the Mets for Marcus Stroman in like two of their top 10 prospects. Is this a little bit underwhelming in the terms of the, the level of prospects, Patrick, or does the volume make up for it? Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that this whole time that you were running through the list. And to be honest with you, there's nothing, there's no single player here that is equal to either Lindor or Carrasco. Well, it's tough to get a top 10 player in return. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's certainly reflective of, uh, uh, or the return is reflective of the fact that Lindor has not signed a long-term deal. This isn't a sign-in trade. So it is. this is the value of one year of Lindor and then two years of Carlos Carrasco, who, while he's had a, a great career in Cleveland, um, the older a pitcher gets, the higher probability uh, there is that they will see a, a decline in their productivity. Uh, Carrasco is 33, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so he, I mean, we saw it with Marco Estrada where uh, once he was 35, 36, um, he lost, he lost the curveball, and that kind of killed his his the rest of his career. So, it's two years of Carrasco and one year of Lindor in exchange for these four prospects. It's not bad because they're probably going to lose Lindor anyway, so they got something for him. Um, it's just weird to have these mixed messages from Cleveland where they say they want to continue to contend. But that look at how much talent they have offloaded in the last twelve months. Yeah, really, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Bauer's gone. They offloaded Clevenger. Like everybody yeah. is gone. <laughs> Carrasco's gone. They've gutted. So they've gutted their starting rotation. Uh, yeah. And uh, now one of their uh, one of their best, well, their best player, Francisco Lindor. All they have left now is Martinez. And and to be honest with you. Uh, if you look at what he's probably going to command in future salary, he's more likely to get shipped out uh, as well. And I think there might be a team in the American League East who could use a utility, super utility player <laughs> who can play second and third base. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is think, there a team? I think like you're that? right. I think they wear blue and white and they're supposed to play out of a Canadian city. Yeah, um, I was thinking about this. Somebody tweeted this or, uh, earlier in the uh, in the evening here, and, and I thought to myself, well, I mean, if the Indians are just you know clearing house to kind of start the rebuild, <laughs> it seems like they're doing it very prematurely. But whatever, they had their shot in 2016 and it didn't work. So uh, here we are in 2020 or, or sorry, 2021. Jeez, uh, five years ago. Um, you know, here we are in 2021. Um, could we make a trade with Cleveland for that? The the, the one hangup that I saw uh, with regards to the trade uh, between the Mets or, or a possible trade between uh, Cleveland and Toronto was that 
uh, Toronto would have had to have traded some current big league talent in order to compensate for the lack of prospects they were uh, that Cleveland was interested in, and that was something that Shapiro and Atkins did not want to do. So that tells me that you know business as usual for Shapiro and Atkins. They're remaining very shrewd with their trades. I'm glad they didn't make that deal because I wouldn't want to see them trade away a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. or uh, somebody else who had more team control for the sake of one year of Lindor. Yeah. It's quite the gamble. We've we've seen throughout every iteration of, of Mark Shapiro, whether it be in Cleveland or Toronto, that his front offices are very um, hesitant to trade away prospects, especially top-level prospects that we would have had to give up for a guy like Lindor. They want to see these kids through to fruition, see them come into the big leagues and pay the dividends that they that, that they will hopefully provide to us um, after nurturing them in the minor leagues. So, I, I mean, would I have loved to get Francisco Lindor? Yes, but I don't think that he was the most important piece. I still think that George Springer is the most important thing for us to get this offseason uh, to really shore up our center field defense. Um, and then we can move another left, another outfielder, whether it be a Gritchuk or even a Teoscar, um, to maybe shore up our pitching staff. And of course, we were talking before the episode. There are some, some other players out there still, like Taiwan Walker, Matt Shoemaker. Those guys are still free agents. Corey Kluber is still a free agent. I'm not sure what his health status is like, yeah. but there's some some pitchers out there who who we could sign to a much more team-friendly deals. There wouldn't be a long-term. They'd be more of a one- to three-year max, I would say, for any of those three guys um, and feel a bit more comfortable about it rather than going after a Lindor and maybe only, ha- like you said, having him for one year, which is always a possibility if he chooses not to re-sign. So it's tough to say. I, I think the Blue Jays are-, are being necessarily shrewd, but I don't think I disagree with it. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with it. It's insane what you will see out in the Twitter sphere. Yeah, don't get us wrong. Like, we'd love to see a big spicy trade, but you call us homers if you want, or we love prospects too much. But I, I could be spicy and rag on the Blue Jays front office like Sid Sexero if I wanted to, but yeah, that's just not I'd what I'm ra- going to do. A couple things. I'd rather the Jays be good for a long time as opposed to very, very good for a short period of hey. time remember when we traded for Mark Burley and Jose Reyes and, and all those guys and Ari Dickey and we were supposed to win the World Series? Look how that turned out. It didn't turn out well. I know, and, and they had to muscle through more trades. This is why we had years of suffering was because we dealt players to get Troy Tulowitzki, to get yeah. David Price. And then now, we had, a lot of those players didn't work out, but I yeah, mean... We had two more years in 2015 and 16 that resulted in playoff runs, but again, we didn't win. But look at a team like the Dodgers, look at a team like the Astros. The Astros built their their franchise up through the draft. Yep. They've been say what you want about the Astros, they've been to the dance multiple times. They've been deep into the playoffs multiple times in the last 5 years now. They've won it all <laughs> whether that was a legit win or not, it was still it was still it was up for a debate of course, but they've been there through the draft and then acquiring players like Garrett Cole Zach Granke, Justin Verlander, when they were ready to win, the Blue Jays are still not quite ready to win yet. Like They still have to be better than the Yankees. They've got to be better um, than anybody in the West Division, like the Oakland Athletics. 
They're going to have to compete with the White Sox now in the Central, who are going to be very good for a long time. The Tampa Bay Rays are always good, no matter who they trade away. Yep. They're probably still going to compete for the division, even without Blake Snell, because it's, it's the Rays. Uh, they always find a way to win. But the Blue Jays are like, they're they're a top 10 team in the American League, and there's, what, only 15 teams? So <laughs> with with our current rotation the way it is, trading for a position player probably didn't make a ton of sense. Obviously, if we sign Springer, he's a position guy, but we're not giving anything up for him through free agency. Um, yeah. We've just got to go out and get some pitching now. Before we move on from the from the trade here, we should mention there was a lot of scuttlebutt on Twitter about what this means for uh, George Springer, uh, the outfielder that the Jays have been pursuing uh, among probably about a hundred other players, it seems, uh, <laughs> since uh, or late November. Um, this came from Andy Martino, and I wanted to highlight it because it's it's interesting because there's also counterintuitive tweets about this matter, uh, George Springer. With Lindor on board in New York now, Springer does seem less likely for the Mets. Yeah. And it's even harder to see Bauer. Uh, and these are these are Martino's words. Uh, they're out on Odorizzi. Uh, th- it has been a very productive offseason, and there are limits, of course. Um, but with Lindor and Carrasco on board, the Mets probably aren't 100% done, but it doesn't necessarily mean, just because they made these moves, doesn't mean they're out on Springer just yet. So mm-hmm. uh, there were a couple of other guys, uh, John Heyman included, who, like the rest of us, are speculating on what this means for the rest of the dominoes uh, as far as was were, have we been waiting all this time just for this trade? And now that it's done, how quickly are we going to see everything else sort of fall in line? And I think there's no way to answer this question except stay tuned. And uh, I think the next 72 hours will probably give us an answer. And there's no reason to think the Jays aren't still very much so in on all the players that they claim they've been on. In fact, one of the players that I'm interested in us signing was seen down in Dunedin uh, earlier this week, and it was <laughs> Liam Hendricks visiting. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people probably aren't super excited about that because we've seen Liam Hendricks twice before uh, with the Jays, but that was then. This is now and Liam Hendricks, believe it or not. Uh, always was and is one of the better relievers in baseball right now. And he would be one of the three guys on my wish list, the other two being Brad Hand and Blake Trainin. But I'm willing to give up on Blake Trainin if it does mean that we get Ty- any two of Taiwan Walker, George Springer, uh, or uh, Jake Odorizzi, just give me, just give me some news. Do something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like that meme. You sent me that meme earlier in the week. Poking the stick. Yeah. The guy, the, the, that stick figure character. Yeah, poking a stick, saying, "Come on, do something." Yeah. Um, like, give, give me something. <laughs> some, some little news here from MLB Pipeline, hot off the press, is uh, their weekly mailbag session, and this guy asks, uh, the the guy putting this out is is Jim Callis. And this guy says, hey, Jim, when all is said and done, where do you see Austin Martin settling in when he makes it to the show? Middle infield, hot corner, or center field? 
And Jim replies, this was a popular topic as I got three separate questions about Martin, who was the fifth overall pick and the best pure hitter of the 2020 draft. Though the Blue Jays will have him start his pro career at shortstop, he only played sparingly there at Vanderbilt. Uh, He does have above average arm strength, and there are concerns about his throwing accuracy. He probably won't wind up on the left side of the infield in Toronto. If Martin's throwing isn't a problem, he'll wind up at second base. Otherwise, he's a center fielder. He's athletic and quick enough to be a solid defender at your position, and his bat should get him to the big leagues very quickly. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about Austin Martin. This picture of him, like, this dude's pretty jacked already for a young kid. Like, he's looking like he's trying to be, like, Randall Grichuk, like, take two. Like, like say it you a little about Randall Grichuk. He's, he's in pretty good shape. Uh, and Austin Martin looks like he's taking care of himself pretty well. Uh, are you more excited about Austin Martin than you are about Jordan Groshans or anybody else in the Jays system? No, I'm very no? excited. No, this is weird. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very excited about both Jordan Grosjean's and Austin Martin. <laughs> but I'm very, very excited about the the tandem of all these big boys we got pitching. Yeah. Our starting pitchers. We got King Clough and Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa, I think... Don't forget Simeon Woods-Richardson. Yeah, and I mean... Don't sleep on them guys. They're it's they're none of them are over twenty three, as far as I know. Well, Anthony Manoa's always... Manoa's got tons of college experience too, whereas Clough and Simeon Woods Richardson are straight out of high school. So is Jordan Groshans. And Jordan Groshans, yeah. They're just they're just they're just baby boys in the system right now. Yeah. And they're they're they've got a lot of development, but some of those guys are projected to develop very fast, especially Alec Manoa, uh, yeah. the word on the street is that he's had a tremendous offseason and that he's been putting in a lot of work. Uh, he never stopped like most uh, players do, but apparently he's seen some big gains. He's been tweeting about it, hyping himself up. He might make the roster sooner than we think, which is I would, exciting. I would put a lot of money on Alec Manoa being one of the big risers in the minor league system this year. If there is a minor league system, of course, I can see him. I mean, I think he pitched in Vancouver uh, in short season ball, which, by the way, congrats to Vancouver on becoming a full season affiliate with us now. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, Glad that we could keep the Canadians in the in the system. I think it's important for baseball in Canada that we have um, young baseball players from the hotbed that is BC baseball being able to watch future Blue Jay prospects who they'll be able to watch on TV all the time, uh, play locally and live and in person. I think that'll go a long way in in local development there. BC is already such a great baseball province, Um, but shout outs to the Canadians, the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats and the Buffalo Bisons. I'm I'm still being within the Blue Jays minor league system of of course, along with our complex in Dunedin. Um, But I think it's really important that we kept that relationship with Vancouver. Yeah, uh, we still have one bit of news out of Toronto that we should talk about. If you wanna, if you wanna talk about it, uh, let's do it. Sure. <laughs> what right. we got, Patrick? Well, uh, I don't. Did we talk about Sugano already? Oh, we didn't yet. No, of course. Yeah, I was. I was debating talking about this. There's. There's no news here. So. Uh, the Japanese pitcher, I, I'm not going to try and butcher his name, Sagano, has decided to go back to Japan to the Nippon League for at least one more year to, to pitch for the Giants, who, by the way, signed uh, former Blue Jay Justin Smoke to a one-year deal as yeah. well this week. So he'll be, Sagano has decided that he 
would not sign with an MLB team. His posting window ended uh, today, which is uh, Wednesday the 7th, or Thursday the 7th, sorry. And I'm losing track of days, December 38th, 2020. Um, his posting window ended at 5 o'clock Eastern. He did not sign with a big league team, so he went back to Japan. Uh, nobody was going to meet his his term, his value that he was looking for. It was reported that the Blue Jays offered a four-year deal, which included three player options, which is the same deal that the Giants are offering him in, in, in the Nippon League because Sagana wants to be able to test MLB free agency again next winter. The dude's in his early 30s already. Great pitcher. He's won pitcher of the year twice in Japan. Um, would have been a great pickup for any big league team, but I think we've seen Japanese pitchers both do really well and really bad in the big leagues. Obviously, guys like Masahiro Tanaka, uh, Dice K. Matsuzaka had a great start, but then we see guys like Shun Yamaguchi come over here and just be complete muffin tossers. Yeah. Um so I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a safe play by big league teams not to risk a lot of money on this guy when there's no guarantee that he'll live up to the Japanese hype. But I would have liked to see I would have liked to see him in the league, and I would have loved to see him in Toronto. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was it was a coin flip as far as whether or not uh, he yeah was, he was gonna do it. I I read somewhere on Twitter with I mean it was somebody who had the check mark. I just don't remember where exactly. <laughs> Uh, mentioned that he wanted an opt-out for every year, every year. In, in case it didn't work out uh, in North America, which I don't blame him for. But if it were me, I wouldn't sign somebody who had that because you're you're going to end up investing a lot in somebody who might leave in like eight months. Yeah, but to be fair, I mean, that's, that's kind of a low risk signing because you're not giving anything up for him except for cash. And worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. He leaves. Best case, he is really good. So I I, I don't mind the opt-outs on a player like that um, just because you just never know what you're going to get with a, with a Japanese pitcher. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Before we go, of course, there is one thing I do want to discuss, and it's not baseball-related. Uh, the NFL playoffs, Justin, are you going to be watching them? Are you out or in on this? Um, well, the Broncos are big out. <laughs> yep. I'm. I am. My fantasy football leagues are done. Yep. Do you win anything? Uh, I got. Th- I got two third place finishes this year. I had a couple of chokes in the semifinal games, Ooh. and then absolutely annihilated. I scored both of my leagues that I got third, and I scored more points than the league winner in the championship week. Yeah. So it's a real boot in the berries, but. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was in I was in four leagues, made the playoffs in three out of four. The one I missed was my dynasty league, where I just took over a team this year and have a dumpster fire of quarterbacks yeah, with Carson Wentz being my best uh, yeah. quarterback option this year. So I, I didn't mean to tank, but it just happened there. Um, I somehow finished third last out of ten teams. So somebody's still some three two three two other people did worse than me in that league somehow. Um, but I made the made the playoffs in three out of four leagues two third place finishes and then a, a fifth place finish in another. So not well, a bad year for fantasy. Did you, did you play it all this year? I had one team this year. I nor norm. Sometimes I'll do two, but this year I had one non dynasty. It was looking real dicey halfway <laughs> through the season. I was, I think I was three and four. Okay. And it was looking dire. 
And I said to myself, how bad do you want this? <laughs> so I'd get on the waiver wire every Wednesday morning, man. And I would, I'd set everything up and my kicker defense and all pretty much always my flex and RB two were just pickups. Mm. <laughs> Um, my team self-destructed in the first half, came back, squeezed into the playoffs by, I think, points four. Um, okay. So, like, yeah, so I scored, like, I finished eight and six or something like that, finished 20 or 30 points ahead of the other dude who also had eight and six. So I stole a playoff stole spot. Stole a playoff spot. And then I hammered the first seed. Uh, it was, like... It was like a 20-something point win or something like that. And I squeezed out a win in the championship by six points. Wow. Thanks to to my boys on the Vikings getting the work done. It was fantastic. I am am all in on this playoffs. I'm excited because it's kind of an interesting format. Yeah, I like the one-team buy. I like that. I've never liked the two-team buy in, in, in a sport league before. the kings of the castle are sitting yeah. there waiting for everything to happen. Let's do picks right quick here. All right. Oh god, um, I have to look. I have to pull up a bracket. I don't even know who the fuck's in the pull playoffs. Up, pull up. I'll send you a bracket. I'll send. I you got a this. I'm on my computer. Okay. I got. I got one up All here. Right. All right. Let's start with the AFC. Uh, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Who you got? Um, I'm gonna take the Browns here. I think they beat the they beat the Steelers last week. Obviously, the Steelers started backups, but I think Pittsburgh's running game is super weak. I had James Conner in my dynasty league, so I got to watch him just lay an egg all year. Yeah. Um, that dude's a is a workhorse, but he just can't stay healthy. I'm taking the Browns. Yep. Uh, and I think they'll beat the spread too. And you know what? As good as Pittsburgh was this year, um, and they were really really good, mostly because they had Chase Claypool. Uh, shout Canadian. out to Chase Claypool. Yep. Um. The Browns, my boys, the dog pound. I look. I'm a Colts fan, um, but it's it's like leftover from the Manning luck years. I'm not really that much of a Colts fan anymore. Um, but I'll cheer for them, I guess. But not really. Like I'm all about Cleveland, man. I have I've loved the Cleveland Browns since probably I'd say like 2004. 2005 i've been rooting for them to get back into the playoffs now as far back as 2004 and now it's happening and what better way to get back into the playoffs than to to pound pittsburgh's (laughs) face in at heinz field give it to me inject it into my veins cleveland beats the spread uh and then we've got indianapolis at buffalo i think buffalo is just going to curb stomp indianapolis um, their defense is too strong. Their offense is too strong. I do like Philip Rivers in Indianapolis. Uh, the whole experiment worked really well. Uh, and Indianapolis has a great defense. Jonathan Taylor's a stud running back too. He is a stud, and it's all going to come down to I think uh, time control. Who's going to control the game more? And, yeah. But Buffalo just has an overpowering. Hey, don't person. don't sleep on the experience of Philip Rivers in in a playoff mm-hmm. game. Uh, Josh Allen's inexperienced. He's got a great supporting cast around him, but I, I still think the Bills win too, though. I think it'll if be closer any, than people think. If anybody knows how to rat fuck Indianapolis out of a <laughs> out of the playoffs, it's Philip Rivers. So I'm hoping that he's got the. He's Is, are we going to see four touchdown 
Philip or four <laughs> INT Philip? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's not going to fuck. He's not going to be the reason they fuck over Indianapolis. They are perpetual chokers in the playoffs, and I'd like to see Buffalo. Can you imagine a round two, Buffalo versus Cleveland? Holy shit! I would love that. That'd be amazing. It'd be Buffalo so versus. It's Buffalo versus the Chiefs, I believe. I think the bracket's kind of fucky. No, because Buffalo is two. Don't yeah, they re, it, no, it recedes? I don't think it recedes. Oh. No, it doesn't. That's it, gonna, one and two. Then? Oh no, and it then, does recede. Sorry, you're right. You're right. It recedes. Oh, I was gonna say. Anyway, Buffalo's gonna yeah. dummy the Colts. Um, I, look, I, I, I'm just happy they're there. Uh, and then we've got Baltimore at Tennessee. I expect Baltimore to run away with this. I think <sighs> Tennessee's overrated. Dude, Derrick Henry's so good. I know he's so good. He over two thousand so yards this year. He's so fast and he's so strong. He's a but what else have they got? Man. Who has a better know. defense? Who has a better defense? I don't know. I saw. I, I had Lamar Jackson in a couple of leagues this year. Yeah, he was my starter. He was my. Um, he was my guy. He wasn't. He wasn't MVP Lamar, but he did enough. Um, he, was rough, he was rough the first half of the year. Yeah, he which really was when his... I was losing all my games. The yeah, second half of the year, though, he was just on fucking stoppable. Yeah, I, I'm going with Tennessee. I'm picking the Titans. I think they get it all done. Right. All right. Well, uh, those are our picks for the AFC, the NFC. Let's just do them right quick. Uh, the Rams at Seattle. This is the juicy one, man. Rivals. Uh, the Rams defense is just—they're <laughs> just evil. Uh, There's—they're just very strong. Um, I'm I have Seattle. no love. I have no love for Seattle. Um, I'm oh. taking the Rams. Oof. All right. I'm taking the Rams, uh, but it's gonna be tight, super tight. Probably field goal, uh, last possession wins kind of thing. Uh, Chicago and New Orleans. I don't know if there's much to say about this, except uh, I think the Saints are. This is it. This is Drew Brees' swan songs, right? So. Hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think I don't know if he plays again next year. Um, no, he said he isn't. Okay. Yeah. Saints, he's already then. signed a. He's already signed a deal. Apparently, I I read somewhere that he had signed a deal to do some broadcasting. Um, okay. Even yep, though Brees, Saints. even though Brees <laughs> fucked over the Colts in 2009. I think it was. Yeah. Or, well, 2010, whatever. Something like that. I, I don't know what fucking Super Bowl it was. Anyway, I'm going with the New Orleans is going to win by 20 points. Um, I have no faith in Chicago. I don't think they're any good at all, but whatever. Uh, and then the Tampa Bucks. Bay, <laughs> Tampa Bay at the Washington Football Club. <laughs> um, God. Tom Brady in the playoffs. That's uh, all you got to know. I'm picking Tom yeah. Brady. Yeah, I hate Tom Brady uh, as a as a Bronco fan. Watching them beat up on the Broncos for so long as a, as a Patriot, I'm still gonna pick them though. It's Tom hard Brady. for me to put put what like to forget that Washington used to be called something very racist, um, and I hated the logo and I hated all that and I hated their owner and all that. And that that part hasn't changed, so I'm not gonna root for them. Um, plus, they're a garbage team, so Tampa Bay is gonna <laughs> win by a bunch. Do, do you have any? idea what the Super Bowl might look like or maybe we readdress it uh if I had to pick today what the Super Bowl would look like bills and Rams I'm gonna go like oh, super off the board bills Rams that's off board that is uh, that's too spicy for me buddy I'm going with I th- I think the Super Bowl is gonna be this is boring but it's going to be Kansas City 
in Green Bay. Boo. Boo. Super Bowl 45 is going to be at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Wouldn't that be a hell of a story, though? If it's not Green Bay, if it's not Green Bay, I'm hedging my bets now. If it's not Green Bay, <laughs> it's going to be Tampa. And everybody's going to be super mad. And then Brady's going to get the ring. And then Bill's Rams. all of us, all of us, just, yeah, all of his detractors, including myself, who whined for years about how Peyton was better because he was. He um, was. But Brady was just on a better team. This is his <laughs> chance, man. Can you imagine Tom Brady, touchdown Tommy, and Gronky Kong in the Super Bowl, dummying Pat Mahomes in Tampa? Oh, my God. You Bill's can't Rams. write. This there's so many storylines that could turn this into like the best postseason ever. Well, you see, Toronto Blue Jays, this is what you've made us resort to, where we've spent like 15 minutes talking about fucking NFL football. There's nothing I, I there's nothing I would rather or there's nothing I would like to talk about less in January than <laughs> NFL football. Hey, look, if the Broncos were still in it, would you be invested though? Um, I would be invested in the Bronco games. I honestly like. I don't really consider myself an NFL fan outside of the Broncos and outside of fantasy. Like, if you ask me what team records are half the time, I I couldn't tell you. I could not care less. I could not care less about NFL outside of fantasy and the Broncos. I follow the Broncos very closely. Um, hoping my boy Von Miller was not done as a Bronco. But anyway, um. I follow them very closely. I follow fantasy stats very closely. I could tell you some player stats. Like I know Devontae Adams was an absolute beast this year. I wish I would have had him. My in WR one. Yeah. Um, but I can't I could not tell you. Like I didn't know the Bears were in the playoffs. Like, is Mitch yeah, Trubisky still starting for them? Mitch Trubisky. What a joke. <laughs> Chicago sucks, man. Yeah. Da Bears. Da Bears. But I just hope that Cleveland wins because uh they have a long-suffering fan base. I want Buffalo win because they have a long-suffering fan base, and I just don't want to see anybody in the in the NFC win. I don't mind the Packers, but I feel like that's just like a generic team. It's like the New York Yankees of football. You like the Packers are just so recognizable in the NFC. I think there's like no other team, like maybe the Seahawks that have a pretty big bandwagon following this last ten years. But um, just with regards to the Bears in 2020, uh, Nick Foles was the starter <laughs> however is still a thing okay uh yeah uh, however uh as a starter big dick nick only went two and five so i don't know what that means um trubisky went six and two so say what you will the guy wins games i guess um yeah i'm gonna say it's probably gonna be uh mitch trubisky Running the show. Probably. In the playoffs. Mr. Right. Biscuit. Bills, Rams. Not taking any cop-outs in this pick. I want, um, I, you know what would be great? It'd be great if the Bills won because then Buffalo could have a championship and then, you know, that would take the negative juju off of <laughs> off of the Bills, but also maybe a little bit off the Sabres because, like, I don't know. I like Buffalo's sports city and it's time for them to stop suffering. Maybe. Agreed. But yeah. That's a good place that's, to end it. That's it for us this week on, on bat flips and maple dips. It's not football flips and maple dips. It's bat flips, if in case you forgot. 
Uh, hopefully we'll have some more baseball news for you on our next episode. We're only a month away from spring training, guys. Pitchers and catchers report beginning of February. So we're we're getting close. Hopefully the season happens without a hitch. Hopefully we can see some games in Toronto this year. Hopefully at some point we can get some fans back in stadiums, if not in Canada, maybe on the road. But uh, for Patrick, I'm Justin. Follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Listen to us everywhere you can find your podcasts, but probably Spotify and, and iTunes and Google Podcasts the most. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.